Hello and welcome to our final episode for season four of Weird Pals. My name is Tim. My name is Andy. And sure, he can be seen soon as the, uh, I guess the credits would be like um, story by... What's the what's the logistical responsibilities you have on this project? Yeah, if it's if it's a byline, it's usually written by written by. Um, but uh, but I think going forward, it will probably be story by, and then it will be my and the artist's name because the artist is is just as much a contributor to the story as I am most of the time. Sure. Yeah, I got you. <clears throat> story by, upcoming indie comic projects, and sure you can find him. Uh, at Harvard, babysitting people on how to sleep. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot like babysitting. We give them snacks and stuff before bed, even a lot of the time. So awesome. Most yeah. importantly, uh, he and I uh, had a beer in Boston not too long ago, and we decided we should continue to bother each other. Uh, everyone, welcome our final guest for this season. It's Dylan Gilbertson. Hey. hey. That's the that's the sound of the audience, right? I don't know if I oh, yeah, across. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I will put in a layer of, of enthusiastic applause. Oh, nice. There we go. You have to pay extra for that. Uh, I have to pay uh, myself time. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Then the money just goes back in your pocket. That's perfect. That's a great yeah, system. Tons of money. Tons of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just like this album that we've been talking about, our podcast is a massive financial success, and no problems yes. have accrued. <laughs> well, I I don't know I don't know exactly how to take that because my knowledge of this particular album is not a great financial success. You're exactly right. You okay, okay, I got it. So, I got I got so it. Take it very it. ironically. Okay, perfect. Now, what's exciting is that this episode is coming out on Christmas. So, Merry Christmas, everybody! It's Woo-hoo! my birthday. What? Yeah. Happy birthday, dude! That means I'm 37, and I'm probably very depressed. Oh my god. Murphy birth miss. 37? I'll be 37. Or I am 37. If shattering the illusion, I will yes. be 37. Keeping okay. the illusion intact, I am 37 today. Okay, so Got how it. do you feel as a 37-year-old today? The same. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The same. Yes. He's 37? He's 37. <laughs> He's a part of the 37 club. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, here's, uh, our goal, everyone. Uh, we got to wrap up this Polka Party album by talking about Christmas at Ground Zero, which means I got to figure out what to talk to you about Christmas Carol-wise, which is, has been interesting. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about Weird Al, and Dylan gets to talk about whatever he wants, because that's the right of the guest. That's Dylan, the only thing I know how to talk about. Dylan, did you did you come up with this? I don't want you to tell us what it is, but did you come up with a thing to share with us, or are you going to shoot from the hip this evening? Uh, I came up with a thing to share to you. I, 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 like most people our age, have some history with Weird Al from when we were children. Uh, and so I can share I can share some of my experiences with that and just sort of who Weird Al is to me as a human being. Yeah, let's start there because everyone's heard our voice for plenty in these episodes. We all I like starting with the guest now to really. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, spice up the the listenerships. Um, so, Ed, answer your own prompt for us. What is what has the Weird Al experience been for you? Um. I think even even when I hear his newer stuff, it's it's I mean it's, a lot of it's nostalgia, right? Like 
most of us were introduced to him as kids. I think the first time I heard Weird Al, I was probably six, uh, and my brother was playing his CD. It was the one with the Jurassic Park song on it, if you recall. Alapalooza is going to be the name of that. Alapalooza, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember it was it was right around the time that Dra- I saw Jurassic Park for the first time, and then I saw the Alapalooza um, like the logo because it's like his mm-hmm. his head silhouette on a That's dinosaur right in yeah. the Jurassic Park yes. logo classic um and like I had no I, I had no introduction into music really like I, I didn't I didn't, didn't follow a band there wasn't a band that I liked or songs that I would listen to because I didn't have like a CD player I didn't really listen to the radio I was too young I didn't really care um but I loved that song the 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 uh the Jurassic Park parody that he did um and so I remember going to Pizza Hut, as one does oh, when you're yeah. a child in the '90s, right? Were you doing the bucket and program? The bucket program, <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the time, I was just going with my family, and we, they had a jukebox there, and awesome. uh, and I went, and my brother played like I think he played uh, uh, like a Sir Mix a Lot song, something, sure. and my sister sure. like yeah. like songs that were were you know not weird owl songs and i played the the weird owl song and like mm. everybody everybody to this day gives me gives me crap about it um <laughs> just like like yeah that's the only song dylan knew so that was the only song dylan dylan played oh good um was right. that one and then uh and then he and then al al just sort of fell into obscurity in my life for uh, several years until running with scissors came out Mm-hmm. Uh, and I fell deep into that one. Like I, t- I remember yeah. talking, talking to my friends about running with scissors, the way, uh, tool fans talk about lateralis, right? <laughs> like I was talking yes. about how, how genius the songs are and like how well they all flow <laughs> into each other. And the, the whole, the whole album ends on this big bang. That is the Albuquerque song. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I was Oh my God. I, li- I listened to that. Like, album let me go on until... a nine hour diatribe. Why my baby's in love with Eddie Vedder's the greatest song ever written. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I, I love me some, some weird Al. uh, not a lot of my experiences with weird Al were of his originals um mm-hmm. if i'm being honest uh when we talked about this podcast is when i first started sort of revisiting his music and going into some of his originals which is when i found this song yeah this song is interesting the the christmas at ground zero because it is well andy will tell us a little bit more but it's a it's an original uh but it's kind of one of the more successful originals um I think partly because it is a Christmas song. So it gets like a lot of repeat every Christmas season. It kind of pops back up in some sort of small bubble of the world um, over and over. Um, Dylan, are you ready for our journey together? I'm so ready. I've got my seatbelt on and everything. You can't see it, but it's there. <laughs> you can't see I have it. Seat, I, yeah, I have seatbelts at my kitchen table where I'm sitting because um, our, our meals get wild, so prepared sure is it is it similar to wild magic on how wild these dinners uh, are yeah kind of yeah yeah every once in a while uh everyone at the table just turns into dogs and cats or, or whatever you know that makes sense yeah, yeah. all right everyone i that was a reference a... to something that happened before the recording of the episode for those yeah that are good. D- good. D&D nerds know what's up uh, uh, one <laughs> of us is the uh school's uh club advisor for the D club at the oh 
So. Cool. You're you're an advisor. I don't I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but I want you to tell me real quick what the, what that's like being an being a D and D advisor for children. Uh, being a D and D advisor for children is a lot like opening up my classroom and letting those very cats and dogs ravage the inside of my classroom for like 50 <laughs> minutes and then demanding that they leave and then they do. <laughs> How old are they? High school, so they're like, oh god, okay, gotcha. So like they can, they can, they can competently tell a story and like, do you do you DM for them or they DM for themselves? No, no, it's all them. It's all them. Okay, so they they're like teaching themselves how to do it, kind of, but they're also very disorganized. So they're almost exclusively doing one shots because they can't get the same people in the same room more than once. Yeah, yeah, that's how most adults should play it. I feel as well. It's very hard to get adults in the same room all the time. Yeah. And there's a lot of like pre-planning a DM should be doing, and these kids generally aren't doing a lot of pre-planning. So there's a lot of like make 'em ups. There's a lot of make 'em ups. Yeah, well, they have, oh, that's they have good. that sounds good. I know. Well, yeah, if you got to yeah, do yeah. a hobby, you do it. Do it right, everybody. I'm really tempted on like yeah. doing like a boot camp for DMs and being like, here's what you actually need to know, and here's how to read a character sheet, and here's what like the expectations are, and yeah. that sort of thing. But we'll get that's there good. sometime. Godspeed. Um, thank you. Uh, speaking of, ooh, here, here, listen to this transition, everybody. In the world of D&D, you've got uh, uh, magic, dark magic even. Sometimes you got uh, necromancers. But I'm going to talk to you about Phil Spector. Thank God you're wearing that seatbelt, Dylan. That's right. I um, like that that can be just a transition because of the last name Spectre, or it can be a transition because he is such a freak. <laughs> I Yes, so um, let's put this out there uh, currently. Phil Spectre passed away two years ago in prison uh, because he was convicted of shooting and killing a person, uh, This hap- which all happened at the, after the turn of the millennia. Uh, the Phil Spectre that I get to talk about is from the 60s, so and seventies, uh, is that man the same as the other guy? Yes, physiologically, yes. Um, other than that, don't don't know how much it is. There is like a case, like a random like stories along the way of how like Phil Spector would have like a gun like on his like person because he had like a conceal and carry license, I guess, and would like have it in the studio. Uh, but uh, there are alternating reports from different Ramones brothers on whether or not they were held at gunpoint to continue recording, or if that was just a silly story someone told because they could leave whenever they wanted Jeez. to. But when I tell when I tell other people that story, it will be factual. <laughs> All right, well, you pick your factuals. Uh, Phil Spector is a um, sort of the first um, auteur for uh, pop music. Um, of recorded music. He uh, became famous for um, his style of recording and producing, which was called the Wall of Sound. Um, Does anyone in here heard of the Wall of Sound before? Nope. Okay, well, let me give you a little Christmas gift and and deliver to you some new knowledge. The, The Wall of Sound is a philosophy where you... You smash in like as many different instruments into a live recording as possible. So in the studio space, instead of having like a single drummer and a single guitarist, you 
to, to make the sound kind of fuller and therefore take individual instruments and kind of make one large sound out of it instead of picking out individual things. You just stack the studio with more and more musicians. So hmm. instead of having one guitarist, he would have three guitarists playing the same guitar part at the same time. And he would have more than one drummer. And then he would have like a string section. And then even when he was doing like musicians like vocalists he would have them overdub the same part on top of each other so that it would kind of sound thicker and fuller um so you have these what ended up becoming his famous christmas album uh, has a lot of ornamentation like there's a lot of instruments a lot of noise coming through and one that made them sound more unique it made them technically louder so you, they would like blast through the radio stronger and it would kind of become more popular in sort of like a subliminal kind of way. Um, was that successful? Was that a successful it, technique? Did it work? It, it was. It was. Um, uh, the, the wall of sound technique was then employed by the Beach Boys. Um, Phil Spector ended up producing uh, Let It Be for the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And sort of his philosophy kind of carried over. He, um, the, the songs that, that were kind of the staples of this wall of sound, um, the first one is called... Don't You Worry, My Little Pet, which is a weird title. Um, It's by Phil Spector's own band in the 50s, the late 50s, called the Teddy Bears, which is also strange. All of this is just very disquieting. This is is wild. Just knowing what we know about Phil Spector. Yikes. Because the only thing I know about the, the stuff with Phil Spector is that at some point he did something so bad that Al Pacino played him in a movie. Then you know you've really done something bad when he plays in an HBO That's movie right. specifically, because yeah. he was he was Roy Cohn in Angels in America. He was uh, Doctor Kevorkian, um, Scarface, Serpico. You know he <laughs> Joe Paterno, <laughs> that one guy from Any Forgiven Sunday. I think he was in some Adam Sandler movies. Just the just the worst. Just the worst. Just the worst. <laughs> Okay, it's got it's got various fifties vibes to it. Yeah, totally. Now, one of the things that he's attempting to do in this recording is use reverb using echo chambers. So what they would do is they would record this song. It kind of sounds echoey, like it's kind of recorded underneath the, the ocean a little bit. Yeah. So they recorded that in a studio, and then they took that mix and they pumped it into an echo chamber room that had nothing in it except for a microphone. And how they set up the like sound panels in an echo chamber would create echo, like a, like a slight echo, that reverb sound. And then the microphone would just re-record everything onto a new track. Oh my so god. There wasn't any like, there was no guitar pedal that was like make a reverb. It was like they had to build a room and then set up panels to make the sound reverberate and then just yeah, the, record whatever that was. The way this sounds, like I would have thought that it just has this unique sound because of the quality of equipment they had to record with back in the back in this day. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I would not have guessed that they put that much effort into making it sound in, in this specific way. Yeah, it's fun because now it's digital and you can just, you know, put a little preset and just like make this reverb and like, for example, let's do a trick. Um, uh, Dylan, say a sentence, and then I'm going to put reverb on it for the episode. 
Uh, hey, I don't work here. Excellent. That's going to sound great. It's going to sound really good. <laughs> okay. Um, the best example of the Wallace sound, according to Phil Spector, was um, uh, Mountain High, River Wide, River Wide, Mountain High. I don't remember which order it is. The Ike and Tina Turner song. Mm-hmm. River Deep, Mountain High. You got the formations of land or lack thereof correct, but yeah, the adjectives right? were a little off. So we got that reverb thing going on again. I was a little girl, I we got all kinds of instrumentations going on in the background, which just means that the, the studio choir. is going to be filled with musicians and vocalists. Um, the team of studio musicians that Phil Spector would use uh, was called the Wrecking Crew. Um, and they were like the go-to best musicians in L.A. to go record on tons of records in the 60s and 70s. Um, one of them, a percussionist, uh, who goes by the name of Sonny Bono, um, was part of the Wrecking Crew. Would later go on to have a career with, uh, with Cher. Uh, I know Sonny Bono mostly from uh, being in the movie Troll. <laughs> in the movie <laughs> Troll? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's what's Sony Bodia doing in the movie Troll? He was an alcoholic guy that just uh, yelled at children from his room. <laughs> well, that's delightful. That Did, needs to go. In the was he killed too. by trolls? He was killed by. He was turned into plants and then yes. eaten, I believe, by trolls. Oh my god! This is different from Troll Two. Yeah, because right? so that's Troll Two. That's Troll Two. That's, that's Troll Two. No, that's that's troll. Nope, that Sonny Bono is in Troll okay. One. Troll Two has nothing to do right, with okay. Troll One, uh, other than that there's plants in it. Oh, good. Okay. Now I got you. Holy shit! Yeah, they basically just reappropriated a completely different movie with the troll title. Sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? So in 1963, Phil Spector um, took a bunch of the artists that were on his label and arranged and produced a Christmas album. Um, the artists on this album are uh, Darlene Love, The Ronettes, oh, yeah. Bob B. Sox and the Blue Jeans, and The Crystals. And here we have... Um, sort of like classic versions of classic, um, more commercial, less religious Christmas tunes. So we got White Christmas, Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, um, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Frosty the Snowman isn't religious? It, it, it's, no, no, it's not. (laughs) They, they resurrect or bring to life a inanimate thing and worship I mean, him at, with a at best that's pagan hat. right that's religious sure 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 uh, so i i amend my <laughs> response then look this is just my way of saying that i worship frosty and i uh <laughs> just want acknowledgement <laughs> you're always walking around with a bag of carrots exactly He's sticking, sticking them in things that look like they may be vaguely humanoid. <laughs> hey, I see a face in that tree. Yeah. Uh, we got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Winter Wonderland, and then we have some ones that I've never heard of. Um, 
One's called Marshmallow World. Anyone oh, familiar boy. with Marshmallow World? Nope. No. What about Parade, uh, Parade of the Wooden Soldiers? No. no. All right. I know. Well, n- no. Is it about Nutcrackers? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Is it is it about a, a young boy whose father one day took him to to the city to see a marching band, <laughs> and and then told him that son one day you'll grow up you'll be the savior of the broken the beaten that's, and the damned. It's like a classic uh, like uh, wheel of fortune answer is the <laughs> the black parade of the wooden soldiers. <laughs> Before and after, yes. The before yeah, and after. That'd, that'd be good. That's um, great. Let's listen to it. Uh, well, it's got the marching sound, so I'm sure that's appropriate for a song about wooden soldiers. Almost sounds. Yeah, I feel like I'm about to watch uh, like Bathed in Toyland or something. The lyrics in the description are not the ones we are imagining at all. Nope. No. Oh, the the first comment though has got him. Starch? What does that mean? I know the tone of this is just very Christmassy, but the lyrics, uh, not so much. It's it's soldiers marching off to war. It also sounds like ominous. Like here they're coming, like they're coming for you, yeah. and they have sabers and yeah, bayonets. Like the, 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 and then the clock strikes twelve. Clearly, clearly the doomsday clock. Yes. I imagine. <laughs> Appropriate for the Weird Al song. Yeah, it sounds like we found a perfect episode. song to match for the. Uh, comparison yeah all right everyone fun fact about this christmas album um this christmas album came out in 1963 but it also came out the same day that jfk was assassinated and people were not feeling particularly christmassy so this album bombed and uh, it was re-released nine years later after like people had been like using some that's of these That's when songs. they got over the, the assassination? That's when the country got over the assassination of JFK. Yeah. Like, we can move on as a country. Did it do, did it, did it do much better after it was it re-released? Did, like, did they, it did they tons recover? better because there was, like, demand. Okay. There was demand for this album to be released again. Like, the first pressing was not very big. And so, like, first pressings yeah. of this album go for, like, $400 and $500 now. And Phil Spector wow. just didn't want to re-release it until he was like associated with Apple Records because he was working with the Beatles. And so after the Beatles, um, he worked with John Lennon, also did a Christmas song with John Lennon, and then released this album again. Um, it's released as mono. He's a big mono guy. He, he, will, he went to his grave hating stereo sound. Um, and this uh, album uh, is now uh, is ranked... 142 out of the 500 best albums of all time from Rolling Stones. Wow. It's uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys says it's his favorite album ever. Um, it's on the 1001 albums to listen to before you die list. Um, this is like the Christmas album of American recorded music. 
There is an interview with Phil Spector, and it's kind of boring, but I do want us to watch the very, very uh, beginning of it because it's the B-roll before they sit down in chairs, and they're sort of casually talking about nonsense for a bit, and I think it's the most entertaining part. You just film wherever you want to film. What's what's the... Don't look at any camera. Just uh, talk to me. I talk to number two. Just look at each other. Well, that means it's all angles, isn't it? It's all from the side. What am I starting into? Three. Or did even check me, Todd? I don't even like that. Why didn't even right. check me, Todd? Are they all drunk? <laughs> What's this meter on the right? Maybe a light meter, maybe? Or a blood pressure meter. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a pressure gauge. What's it? Oh, it's a countdown. Oh, oh that makes sense. Hello, three. Hello, three. He certainly oh, sounds three. drunk. Fifteen. Bye-bye. Oh, God. <laughs> Look at that hair. It's like a perfect round helmet of hair. It really has some meaning. Phil Spector. The album's got a new cover and a new title, Phil Spector's Christmas album. But have you changed anything else about it? Have you remixed it or anything like that? No, no, no. It's still basically the same, and you don't have your back to mono button on. Why, why is that? <laughs> That's a shame. You must have your back to mono button on. You must have that. Thank you. And you must wear it as well. You sure? I'm back to mono. No, nothing's changed about the album at all, it's except that it's uh, coming out for the first time. On what? Apple Records in uh, nine years. He's not English, right? I have no idea. I have no idea Because his, his voice is going in and out. Yeah, he's like pretending to put on this Liverpool accent, but he's from L.A. Yeah. or worked in L.A., so I don't yeah. really know what's going on. It definitely drops as the interview goes. Uh, gentlemen, I yield my time on uh, Phil Spector and Wall of Sound Christmas songs. Uh, then that's my cue to start talking about Christmas at Ground Zero by our friend Alfred Yankovic. I shouldn't presume. We haven't met him. Um, the last track on Polka Party uh, comes in at a whopping three minutes and nine seconds. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And as we discussed, a pastiche of Phil Spector-produced Christmas songs. It was recorded during the first recording session uh, of Polka Party between April 22nd and 23rd, 1986. A uh, quote about the song, uh, the way Al described it, it's a cheery little tune about death, destruction, and the end of the world. Uh, oh, which is something we could all relate to today. Um, the song is the result of uh, his producers, the Scotty Brothers, uh, insisting that Al put out a Christmas record. Just a whole, probably, album of Christmas songs, whatever oh. that means, whether or not. I assume in the Al Yankovic style and not just uh, renditions of some of the titles that sure. you mentioned earlier. Um, uh, quick pitches on parodies. Um, oh, we've yes. Got, we've, got the, we've got the list of songs here over. Um, we already got the, the March of the Wooden Dudes figured out. Yeah, we're Black out Parade of the Wooden yeah. Soldiers. That's right. Oh, oh my All God. All right, so... Um, Frosty the Snowman is now. That's oh, what's the guy's with. name in the Elvis movie? It should just be called the, the, uh, 
Tom the Hanks producer? the Snowman. Yeah, yeah. It should just be called Tom Hanks. The oh, snowman. right, because he refers to as the. T- uh, yeah. And it's just Colonel a song Parker about- the Snowman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Good, good. We got that one figured out. <laughs> Colonel Parker. The Colonel Parker. I was I was going like a Frost Nixon the Snowman oh, yeah. situation. I could. Yeah. <laughs> good. Um, okay. Um, uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Um, I saw, I saw mommy kissing Mr. Jenkins from next door. Oh, good. I was thinking of like, I saw mommy <laughs> using dental floss. Oh, that's a good one. Is she, is she, is she, I don't know. Is she older? She have like dentures or something, but you wouldn't floss dentures. <laughs> You'd use the, the like little Alka-Seltzer things. Yeah. Um, last one. Uh, uh, what about Rudolph the two-bit lawyer? <laughs> Rudolph the two-bit lawyer <laughs> had a very yeah. shiny lawsuit going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We yeah, got that's, yeah, this mm-hmm. is why I don't work for Al. Yeah, we did good. All right, Andy, you're okay. about to get yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so Al presented this song, Christmas at Ground Zero, to the Scotty Brothers, um, and they took back their insistence that he put out a Christmas record, saying the song was, quote, a little different from what they were expecting. Uh-oh. I don't know what they were expecting from Al. They wanted more commercial, less death and destruction? Probably. That seems silly. Um, it was released... Yeah, that's fair. Do you think yeah. it, was, it, was, it was an issue with the content as opposed to just like how it sounded in general like they they didn't want like the 50s 50s 60s sounding stuff or that it was that like it they probably don't want to hear about bombs dropping on the radio i would like to think it's the former (laughs) probably the former (laughs) just it's like hey wasn't that it wasn't good enough it's just that it was the content it's 1986 That 50s sound is so square, and so is calling things square. <laughs> so we're going to not it's also gonna got ask like, you to do like any more of this. Fun Cold War vibes in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's probably yeah. There, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to encourage that kind of situation. We don't encourage that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet, right. the song was released as a single from Polka Party. Mm. It was the second and final single off the record, released in November 1986. And it was... I'm not sure uh, like how soon after this happened, but it was banned from some radio stations, which Al attributes to, quote, most people not wanting to hear about nuclear annihilation during the holiday season. Oh, sure. sure, why not? Sure, sure, Cold sure. War stuff. Yeah, um... Despite that, it was the most requested Christmas song on the Dr. Demento show since uh, Dr. Demento's own grandma got run over by a reindeer. Um, and Al wanted to make a music video for the song, but the label didn't agree, citing budget reasons. Ah. Sure. Um, but Al uh, fronted the money anyway and directed it himself, his first director credit, uh, and mostly made the video up of... Uh, Cold War era stock footage, so appropriate, um, with the finale shot uh, being filmed in a dilapidated part of the Bronx that, quote, looked like a bomb had fallen on it. Oh, that's uh, dark. So it's very dark. Yeah. And we're starting off with black and white sparkly bells ringing. 
into a plane, dropping an animated bomb. <laughs> nuclear explosion. Children duck and covering. Yeah, I heard. I saw somewhere that there was a um, a video, an educational video called "Duck and Cover" from the fifties. That a good chunk of the like air raids and the literal like Red Scare drill stuff comes from. Yeah, because ducking and covering under a desk is the best way to survive a nuclear blast. Yeah. It's My true. mom says she remembers these drills from elementary school. I mean, we did drills like that. Did you that say that for Weird Al, Weird Al fronted the money to direct this himself? I may have made that part up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's... I mean, like... like well, it, he, this all seems like footage from, like, actual wartime, which it makes it also not... Yeah, I mean... Uh, cheery? Makes it all the more depressing. If it's stock footage, too, then it's probably <laughs> free if or cheap. Oh my god! I like how it's, there's a there's a flash. Every, oh yeah, hide under the picnic blanket, y'all. That that kid hid under a newspaper. <laughs> this person's huddling behind oh, a different person. Cameo from Ronald Reagan. Speaking of Frost Nixon. <laughs> I mean, we did like duck and cover drills for earthquakes when I was in yeah, elementary school. Yeah, that makes school. sense. I just know. did it this week. It worked. Still doing those? Oh yeah, the big shakeout is what we call it. Mm. Whoa, that, what the? Whoa, that. <laughs> what was that stock footage from of a animated woman under the mistletoe getting kissed by several men who are just oh, approaching like her minutes. and kissing her? Oh, here we go. And here's, here's some original footage. Alan the Bronx. Yeah, it looks like a bomb's dropped on that. It just, yeah, it looks like an empty lot. I wonder how much money those kids' parents made for putting them in that. Five dollars. What a fun school project that was. A very yeah. happy, jaunty tune. So the song was uh, further banned from the radio many years later after uh, the 9-11 attacks. Uh, and the term Ground Zero was then used to describe uh, the World Trade Center uh, destruction site. Uh, so that was fun. I'm not sure how much radio play it was getting in 2001, but uh, <laughs> nobody definitely wanted to listen to it that year. Right. Um, and even though it was a, a single and it, it did become like a cult favorite uh, for Al fans, it was only played 66 times recently during uh, both editions of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. Uh, and I found a video of the very first performance uh, taken from the audience, cell phone footage, uh, the very first performance in Toronto on March 8th, 2018. So we can take a look they, at that. They Al want has... you to know it's pronounced Toronto. You don't pronounce the second T. Okay, I did. So he he released this back in '86 and then didn't perform it live until 2018. Correct. I mean, wow. to be fair, like wow. he, I don't know, the album was not a hit, and he was only opening for the Monkees, or excuse me, the Monkees were closing for him on tour. Uh, 
So <laughs> probably no. people just wanted to, you know, hear the stuff pre Poker Party. Um, yeah. It's... But yeah, not even on any of his uh, later tours. He would do. He did a, a different Christmas song later on. The night Santa yes. went crazy, and that song was played. That was more and popular. I think it's, it has something to do with the instrumentation too, because like you've got the sleigh bells, and you got the big chimes, and you've got the vocalists and stuff. Like, there's a lot because of the wall of sound. There's a ton of musicians recorded on there, and lots of tracks covered. So, if it's just a touring yes. band of the main, up to, you know, six, five, six members, they're not going to be able to really create much of that. And they don't do much in the way of like backing tracks. Um, um, they do a little bit, but like they like making most of their sound with their own instruments and not like lip syncing to stuff. This next song is, uh, we, we've actually never played this song before. Um, and it's kind of a it's kind of appropriate for two reasons. One, Christmas is right around the corner. <laughs> and uh, in the last few months, uh, the doomsday clock has been moved up a few seconds. <laughs> Great for me, this song's so topical now. I have a feeling Ruben is in charge of the lot of a lot of the sounds, mm -hmm. like the choir and the bomb exploding. Right. Yeah. What is Jay doing with his guitar? Boing, 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 boing. Final thing I've got. Um, a uh, funny little thing, Christmas-related uh, item I found on Ask Al. Uh, someone asked, and I don't know if it, it had a name, like most of the questions on Ask Al don't have the names of who asked the questions attached to them, but this one did. So I don't know if that means it's, this question is attributed to Cindy Caturia. Cause then it also was, that was followed with like numbers five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Huh? No, no idea. Sure. But in yeah. any case, uh, the question is to Al, do you put up a Christmas tree at your house? And if so, is it a fake one or do you buy a real tree? And Al answered, I have a tiny fake Christmas tree that dances when you sing to it. Oh. Dances. That's what I, I think I've seen this Christmas tree. That's what I got. It dances. Yeah, we uh, we we had one of those, but at least when I was when I was younger, like a little, it had eyes and everything. It opens up and like it just kind of like jiggles back and forth, like it does a little like. But it is it like motion and sings motion detected or just it it sings to you or you sing to it and that's what sets it off. It it sings to you, kind of like a the the big mouth Billy Bass sure. thing. It's not. It's not motion detected, but it has like a button on it. You press it, and then it sings sings Christmas tunes and stuff. You just put on your desk yeah. or whatever. So that's why I find Al's answer interesting, where he says, "You sing to it, and it dances." Oh, oh, I yeah, I missed that part. I have no idea. Then I have no idea. That could have just been a you know an Al an Al goof, but who knows? No, uh, no, <laughs> Al's word is gospel. It's true. What he says is is true. You're right. You're right.
when I look up dancing Christmas tree, it's videos of people dressed up as Christmas trees dancing and not a product that I can buy. Oh, wait. Mm? I have been mistaken. Douglas Fir, the talking, singing Christmas tree from 1997. 97 sounds about the right year that I would have experienced it if it was the right, if it's the thing. It's a thing, certainly. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, just the, like, (laughs) screenshot. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are we all ready for whatever this is going to be? Oh God! Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this, this is this is from <laughs> Hometown Electronics. It's available at eBay in case you're interested. Hi. Oh no! <laughs> oh man! Its its mouth and eyes are hidden remarkably. They well. are, it but they shoot open abruptly, yeah, violently, yeah, even startling. Uh, uh-huh. He's got like like some like Oscar the Grouch kind of vibes to it with his oh yeah he's got kind of color and he's got some Oscar vibes to him (laughs) and it ends with happy new year and then goes back to sleep oh god wow that's incredible (laughs) I I like how that that person who's taking the video was about to shut it off because he thought it was done yeah uh huh well that's gonna haunt me for a while yeah you're welcome Guys, there's a full-size one. Oh, boy. This looks like it's custom. Originally designed and built by me. This is the first test. I will be programming several songs. This is from one year ago. Sounds like the start to a horror movie. Like yeah. It's just a prototype that I built in my garage, and then it comes out and murders the entire town. Yeah, this is a Frankenstein Little Shop of Horrors origin story or something. Oh, boy. This is from the Mad Builder YouTube page. Uh, just from like the, the the freeze frame at the beginning, uh, its eyes are not hidden anywhere nearly as well. No, I... just these big these big grassy balls on the front. <laughs> but I can't. If there is a mouth, I can't tell where it is from this first angle. That's true. Well, nice that you can put uh, actual Christmas lights on it. Oh, this one, not no, I... not as frightening. Not as front, yeah. It's not. It's not nearly as sudden. Its movements are not as violent, and the eyes. The eyes actually look pleasant. Good. I mean, when they're when they're open, yeah, they look pleasant. Yeah, they don't. They don't look uh, vindictive or uh, malicious. Um, they just, uh, you know, they look like uh, singing. This is eyes. bordering on like the animation for like annoying orange. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And the and the mouth movement is more in sync with uh with the song. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I yeah, this one the full surprisingly the full size one, I prefer it to the little one. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's gonna kill me. It this thing looks like it this is Terminator in Terminator two that's gonna protect me from the little T one thousand Christmas tree. Yeah, like a Christmas tree that was originally built to kill children. Yeah, uh, has been reprogrammed now to spread joy to the world. Exactly. I hope this guy, uh, you know, I hope he made more of these and made a, a decent living off of it. This is a this is a, a decent little thing for yeah, people so. to buy. It's not as good as like a, a twelve foot tall skeleton for Halloween, but it's it's up there. It's maybe second or third place. 
No, the eye movements are great. I mean, like, it's not singing right, like, the choir is singing, or the chorus is singing. The eyes are just kind of, like, looking around like, hey, everybody, we're having a good time, right? We're having a good time, right, everybody? Right? I mean, right? No, Mad Builder. I'm a fan. Good job. Well done. Well done. Good job, Mad Builder. I wonder what else he's done. He could sponsor an episode if he wants. I'm not. I'm not part of the show. Don't take that. I, I didn't mean to say that. But. Um, Dylan, I thought you would be the perfect guest for this song because your artistic ventures in your own life have a touch of the macabre and the dark. And I was hoping that it might be a good opportunity to talk about your most recent artistic endeavors. Uh, yeah. Um, how can I relate this song? Ooh, yeah, you can do a long walk if you want to, but you don't need to. A long walk. Well, I mean, the 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 low hanging fruit part is is just the um, what is it called? The the juxtaposition, right? It's a jolly song about something morbid. And the the book that I'm currently writing, the first issue will be out soon, um, is called My Neighbor Necromancer. And it is uh, it's a, it's it's a book about death, but like sort of the silver lining to it. Um, so, I mean, it's not jolly by any means, but um People uh, are usually rightly afraid of death, but uh, I think that death is like the great motivator, right? Like without without the prospect of death, like you're you're rarely motivated to um, to to do much with your life because there's always more time, right? Um, and so it's sort of this necessary evil, um, I think, if you want to call it evil. Um, and so I think. Uh, and so it's about this little girl who, I mean, in a way makes friends with death and sort of in this cutesy little way. And um, <clears throat> so I guess it's kind of, it's kind of like bombs dropping on Christmas, right? There's, I mean, I, I don't know what the silver lining is to bomb dropping on Christmas, but the juxtapositions there are all the same. The bomb makers get money. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a yeah. new beginning. That's the yeah, silver yeah. lining. A new beginning. Right. Um, tell uh, we've got new fans for you here in the making uh, who haven't heard of your project before. Uh -huh. Is it? Um, and I was honored to be a part of the Kickstarter campaign earlier this year. Is um, how how is the project going? When do you hope to see it? And and where can people go get a copy? Should they be interested in uh, this kind of work? So. The project is almost finished. Um, Jason, the artist, Jason Piperberg, um, he's potentially, he, he may be the best artist I've ever worked with. He's he's very, very talented, very skilled um, artist, but he's uh, working on the pages as we speak. Um, we hope the book will be finished by the end of November, um, and then we'll have it printed and it'll be shipped to the backers as soon as we can get it to them. Um, if you were not part of the Kickstarter and you want to purchase a copy, you can um, you can message me on Twitter or uh, Instagram. My DMs are open there, or you can go to my website, uh, Dylan Does Comics, and you can just send me a message through there. Very cool. Um, yeah. Is that a dot gov? Not a dot gov. It's a straight dot com. Okay. I went. Oh, I went paid big. the pretty penny for the dot com. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 15 bucks a year. Um, <laughs> how, how many issues do you foresee if, uh, should you have the gumption and it's successful and everything, you know, is goes gold? It will, it will be six. It'll be six issues. Um, we would like to, um, if after this first issue is made, when you make a first issue of a several issue series, um, you can you basically use that first issue as a business card, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of a proof of concept. Yeah. Um, and if you wish to get it published, um, I mean, there's there's ups and downs to getting things published, and there are a lot of people like to go the self-published route. Um, <clears throat> but I think for us, we are hoping to uh, find it a home so that it can be more widely distributed for people. Um, but in the event that that doesn't happen, um, we will just continue kickstarting it because one way or another, um, this is a story we really want to tell. And so we'll uh, we'll get it to people in any way we can. That's so exciting. I love this. Uh, any any of my friends that yeah. do cool art stuff, I just try to like support and promote and blast out there in the world because other people other than me are going to be interested in supporting it. I know for sure. Yeah. The so when I was doing the Kickstarter, I do this for all of my stories, by the way. Um, and every every story that I write, one of the characters will say something about their favorite band, and the favorite band is always impulse yeah, control. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I love impulse control. I it's so thank good. You. Um, yeah, uh, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, I remember. I remember when I first heard it, I was like, this is really good. And then like, I was, I was, I was telling, I was telling my other friends about it. And, uh, and I had to, I always felt like I had to, to qualify my statements. Like, I'm not telling you it's good because my friends, Tim and Max are in it. I'm telling like, it's legitimately good. I would be telling you this if, even if that were not the case. Um, and so, yeah, I always, it's always, it's always fun to, to um to just throw that in as a little detail it's for, for the it's characters it's very fun to see like scroll through the little updates and there's just like like it's the an iguana a gecko who's this like animal yeah. character is like my favorite band is impulse control it's like this is excellent. <laughs> yeah yeah right right, right. <laughs> yeah and then a lot of people a lot of people got a kick out of like the one of the necromancers favorite bands was primus sure yeah, that um, makes sense. yeah yeah um, so funny, uh, funny story. The 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 spider, his favorite band is uh, Phil Collins, or his favorite singer is Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Cool. And it's a this and it's a it's a blue bottle tarantula, which is a very weirdly specific species of tarantula. And as soon as I posted that, a friend who I'm in a group chat with who has never once mentioned purchasing a spider said that she had just purchased a blue bottle tarantula like a week before I posted that. And she, can you want to guess what she named it? She didn't name it Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. Phil Collins. I'm not kidding. Wow. Wow. That's not a, I, that was the most bizarre coincidence I'd ever heard in my entire life. Um, but yeah, the, the I, that's some real simulation confirmation going on. Uh-huh. It was really, but it was really strange. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. We tried to make uh, the concept of death and necromancy like as palatable as possible, um, and so we've got uh, we we've got like good necromancy, so like you can 
you it's about building relationship with the dead right it's like those lessons that you can learn from death and it's like when a loved one dies um like there are things that you can still learn from them and they can still help you be a better person going forward or if you if you don't deal with death well and then the bad side of necromancy is like you're now trying to repurpose who and what they were when they were dead sure. or when they were alive and so now you're instead of like honoring them or um being who um being a better person for them and and help them helping you better be be a better person like you're basically condemning them and you're saying don't want to be this because they told me to mm -hmm. or because of this and so you sort of spit in their face and um and and things can go wrong very quickly when that happens uh and so that was sort of the through line for these two the the good and bad side the the protagonist antagonist thing that we had going on there nice I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to getting to read the first issue and to see what happens to the rest as it uh, unfolds. Um, a good Christmas gift. Am I right, Dylan? That's right. That's right, Tim. <laughs> That's exactly right. For next Christmas, because it's already Christmas right now. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Keep the illusion intact. Yeah. yeah. Keep the <laughs> it's falling apart around <laughs> All right, gentlemen, before the illusion breaks entirely and before we call uh, call in the new year, what do we do with the new year? We bring in it, uh, bring in, right. Give birth to. We, yeah, there we go. We, uh, we, we call it from the, there's not like a necromancy equivalent to the new year. You're uh, <laughs> conjuring the new year. Yeah, yeah, we can summon so, it. Yeah, okay, before we do it, um, we have to do one last thing, one last time this season. Dylan, it's so hard to compare pieces of art and decide which one is better objectively. Like, mm. There's so many subjective factors. Like you trying to convince people Impulse Control is a good band, and they're like, well, they're just your friends. It's very hard to like convince somebody that something is better, right? Uh, sure. But don't worry. Our show stumbled upon a perfect solution to this problem. We have the question, did Weird Al make the better song, or did Phil Spector make a better song? We plug both into GetSongBPM.com, and it will shoot out five numerical quantities. Whichever song scores highest, three out of those five rounds, is scientifically the better song. <laughs> so, so this this is this is a Weird Al original. So, are we comparing to the Phil Spectors? Are we doing the the uh, the Wooden Soldiers? I think we should do March of the Wooden Soldiers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does that sound fair, everybody? That seems appropriate. If it's available now, on Get Dylan, as a Harvard medical professional, does our system sound sound? Is it sound? Like, would it be able to be published in sort of like a, a journal of, of some equivalency? Um, it sounds like it is the current gold standard. <laughs> All right. For, wow. For deciding such a thing objectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will, I will, I'll leave it at okay, that. Perfect. We Cur like currently, it sounds like the gold standard. Excellent. In this moment where Dylan has not heard anything mm -hmm. better or worse, it, yeah. it is the gold mm -hmm. standard. That's right. It may, it may be because it is legitimately uh, uh, a um, what's the word? Okay. Um, a reliable and accurate measuring system, or it's because nothing else exists to do it. 
and it's the only thing. Mm. Um, but Both either way, it is the best one. Now it's time for my favorite sub game. Find something to write on. Get song. What's it gonna be this time? Don't write on the cat that's currently crawling in your window, Tim. All right, today's a piece of paper is an old flyer from our first live show that was laying on my desk. Um, Okay, so five rounds. Dylan is representing March of the Wooden Soldiers, produced by Phil Spector, and Andy is representing Weird Al uh, and his song Christmas at Ground Zero. Um, Dylan, as you scroll on that uh, link, uh, you scroll down a little bit. There's something called the audio profile on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me the first what the first quantity is and how much it is for your song? Uh, the first measurement is tempo. Okay. Uh, it is 143 BPM. Wow. Uh, Allegro, it says in parentheses. Oh, good. That's helpful. No, not, not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yes, yes, that is, yeah, that was wondering, and it answered my question. I think I was exactly. using Allegro for a while for my uh, seasonal allergies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's good because it doesn't doesn't make you as tired as as that's right, uh, like Benadryl. <laughs> as, as Benadryl. I'm a big yeah. fan of that uh, Nick Jr. show, Allegro's Castle. No, it's Allegro's Window. Shoot. Uh, retake it. <laughs> See, I thought uh, castle first, and then I'm like, no, it's window. Don't say castle. Mm, say window. And I said castle. Mm, 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 I said mm, castle no, anyway. No, wrong, I'm quitting wrong. comedy. That's the philosophical or the psychological test is try not to think of a castle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Only think of um, windows. Pink, pink castles. <laughs> That's right, pink, don't think of a pink castle. Um, uh, Andy, what about Weird Al's tempo? Tempo for Christmas at Ground Zero is 150 BPM. It's just edging a win. All right. And we love edging. I always say it. Um, Dylan. (laughs) uh, I always tell people, you're my friend Tim. He always says, we love edging. Yeah, he's a a big fan of that uh, new new Blink-182 song that was just released a few months ago. It's, It's great. That's right. It's called edging. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard it yet. The whole album came out, and it's Christmas, so it came out two months ago. But yeah, uh, I haven't heard it. I've downloaded it. I have not listened. It's to good. It. Oh, good. Uh, Dylan, what's the second attribute? Second attribute is danceability, oh. and it has fifty-eight footprints, which I can only imagine uh, is means it's danceable for people fifty-eight and over. <laughs> I like that. I never thought of it that way. That's a good. Yeah, and we get new takes every time. Yeah, which means when <laughs> I wish I had a key. Like, is there is there a key that describes what these so are? Just, I had uh... to uh, season one of this show. I emailed yeah. some contact and they gave me like a link to something that explained all of these. And for the rest of these, it's on a scale of one to one hundred. And danceability, I don't remember how they quantified it, but I'm sure it was something that was some sort of. Some nonsense. some weird offset scale like uh it's like six to seventy four or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that sounds right. Um, Andy, you get more danceability or less danceability? Neither. We have you a get tie. The same danceability. Fifty eight. Oh this is unprecedented. Have we ever had a tie what? before? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Wow. 
tied at 58. This really puts a whole twist in the thing, because we could have a tie yeah. for the whole dealio. <laughs> it remains to be seen. Okay. Dylan, what's the next category? Next category is energy. Mm. And we have an energy score for Parade of the Wooden Soldiers of 79. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of energy for those little guys. That's a lot of so many energies. Yeah, that's a fast I mean, march. Yeah. I can I want to predict that a song about nuclear weapons mm. or bombs in general has a great deal of energy. Yeah, we just watched to, Oppenheimer to, to this summer and boy oh boy, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, fission has a lot of energy going on. Yeah. Yeah, fission, all about fission that one. <laughs> Fusion, fission? Both. They're both. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. It's fusion versus fission. Um, or vice versa. Well, here we got Phil Spector versus Weird Al. Weird Al, you got more energy, you got less energy than 79. Uh, yeah, well, something they neglected to talk about in Oppenheimer is that uh, wooden toy soldiers apparently have more energy than a uh, nuclear bomb because the energy for Christmas at Ground Zero is 62. Holy cow. Okay. Upset. We are now tied. We have two more categories. Dylan, what's the next one? Next one is is acousticness? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, Is that with a question? uh, Acousticness. What could that possibly be? Like, the sound is good? (laughs) Like, like the room it was recorded in has a good acoustic? Well, that should be great Uh, for Spectre. You think you think well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil Spector uh, has acousticness of eighty. Eighty. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Andy. The acousticness for Weird Al Yankovic, in this case, is thirty-nine. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Is that? Is acousticness good? We gotta assume that the higher is better for all these scales, right? Well, if you want to know what acousticness is, I I know what this the last two are. Acousticness is the likelihood that there are acoustic instruments in the recording. But is that objectively good or is that bad? For we us, don't it's, know. The higher the number, the better the number. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. You're Got asking it. two different questions. Got it. Because it's like if it's a Metallica song. It's going to have low a low acoustic acousticness. But a less, you know, you, you might lose that round. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if right. Weird Al is parodying or doing a pastiche, he might match closely to some of the parameters. Yeah. Okay. We'll always do apples to apples in here. I'll take the W. Okay. Well, we've got one more round. It's either Phil Spector coming in with the win or Weird Al is going to tie this guy. Um, Dylan, what's the last one? The last one is liveness. Mm. Live. Is that even a liveness? Uh, I have. Is, I I wanted to say that liveness is somehow tied to tempo because it seems like it should, like liveliness, mm. like energy, nope. like almost like energy. Nope. Energy, tempo, and liveness and all seem similar. <laughs> danceability, yeah. <laughs> uh, liveness. Uh, Parade of the Wooden Soldiers has a liveness of 16. 16. Okay. Andy, we got to pull out a 17 or higher. Can Weird Al do it? We can't, but we have another tie. It's another tie. 16. (laughs) 
Wow. This is crazy. Wow. We don't have a tiebreaker. <laughs> well, we don't have a tie because it's two to one. Oh. Because the two of them are thrown out for a tie. So in a weird technicality, Phil Spector wins. This oh, round. I thought you were giving them both points <laughs> Give for them a what? tie. What are you talking about? I thought you oh. gave them both a point for the ties. You just took well, them out. Well, they would still have Phil Spector up by one. Okay. You can't don't, see I, these because this, this is why I don't do the tallying. This is why I don't do math. Okay. I, need to check Everyone <laughs> okay. check I get it. I get it. I get it. Thank you. Phil Spector won. Well, goodness, just like the success of this album, it turns out that this round of Get Song BPM was not in Yankovic's favor. But don't worry. His career continues, and so shall this show. Dylan, thank you so much for wrapping up the year and this Woo. season of our podcast with us. You're a delight. Thank you guys for having me. I was I was very excited uh, when you asked me to be on this. Um, and uh, I was upset that we had to wait all the way until Christmas to record <laughs> That's it. <right. laughs> You're a great sport. Um, <laughs> thank you. If I have the if I have the power to to make it come true, what is your Christmas wish this year? Oh my god. Uh don't put me on the spot like yeah. that. I don't All know. Right. I'm going to Andy next then. Andy? Oh, because I'm ready. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, d- d- don't be broke. Yes. Good. Excellent. Love it. Hell yeah. Don't be broke. <laughs> yeah. Don't be broke. <laughs> Dylan is a... Did <laughs> you set on yours? You know, no, you don't know where the bar is. <laughs> I'm co-opting his wish. That's oh, we're fu- both you fit. can, yeah. Don't you know, and mine is too, everyone. Don't be broke. <laughs> don't be broke. Remember what we say on this show. I love edging and don't be broke. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, thank you so much. Uh, what's the what site do we, are we sending people to? Dylan Does Comics? Uh, yeah, Dylan Does Comics, does comics. or just Dylan Comics. I got them both. Okay. Um, you can go on there. You can see a bunch of my work, um, a bunch of stuff that I've written in the past, maybe some stuff that I'm going to write in the future. Um, you can also message me there. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Dill Gilbertson. Excellent. We've got to get out of here, everyone. I hear Santa's on the roof right now. Um, we got to go with our show's famous catchphrase. Bye. 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 Well, good job, everyone. We did it. <laughs> yeah.